Welcome to Pleb Chain Radio, a live show brought to you by Plebs for Plebs, which focuses on the intersection of Nostra and Bitcoin protocols. Join QW and Avi as they run down the weekly news and developments, breaking down the current thing and the future frontier with the foundation of decentralization, the builders, thinkers, doers, and plebs. We are live. Welcome, gentle plebs, to our eighth episode. Wow. That's, uh, you know, QW, I was just looking um, at the schedule and our first nest was on march 10th doesn't feel like it now here we are eight weeks later yeah almost two months uh just week by week uh, i mean in, in the nostril land that's years but uh here uh it just doesn't it never feels like it so it's... yeah and we've got a big one today uh, reason.com senior producer and journalist zach weissmuller joins us to talk about a whole host of topics um we'll focus on three of his videos actually four of his videos uh three of which are very relevant and maybe even prescient from a nostra perspective and we'll also ask him about his bitcoin journey and and his how he got into journalism to start with uh before that we'll have uh, our lightning round, as usual, and this time Doc and Gondalorian from the NOS Report will join us. Happy to have them as always. Uh, now for the show, QW, do you want to start with a quick Zapathon recap? Maybe shout out to Ralph for yesterday's heroics. Yeah, Ralph. Ralph uh, brought the heat yesterday, um, and uh, it, it, it was fun. What I what I what I'm noticing about the the, the Zapathon as it kind of uh, evolves is uh you know we're seeing more new faces uh just random plebs i, I mean it, it, every single week i i basically have a copy and paste you know what is that what is zapathon what is zapathon so i copy and paste and respond to it because it's it seems like it's uh something that no matter how many weeks we do it people are still confused or or just new they're new which is great but we're seeing a lot of new faces um and and just like ralph uh yesterday having that zap life uh creates an environment where we can kind of make competition uh, and I think that's important. Uh, but beyond the competition, more important is we're starting to see client uh, client and wallet combinations. We're starting to see, you know, we're, we're, exit, we're kind of uh, migrating from that wallet of Satoshi, which is great, too. You know, I, I want to ultimately we, I think we all want to see a custodial option, custodial wallet that we can zap from uh, within uh, Noster. Um, or a non, non-custodial, I should say. Uh, but with that said, you know, it, it's great to start to see some of these clients, um, these wallets uh, uh, work with the clients, one, one zap tap, um, you know, Amethyst. Uh, uh, I, I know that works well. Um, Domus, I don't think there is one yet, but I'm, I'm, I can't be sure. Um, but that comes with the Get Albi uh, competition. So I, it's nice to see that we're starting to, you can see some developments in the wallets and the LNURLs uh, and options like that. Cause I know that's a big deal. You know, when I, when I try to onboard someone and they're like, Oh, well, it's wallet Satoshi. It's like, well, it's easy. You know, it's the easiest thing you can do right now. It's, it's, if, if you're brand new, you have no idea what a wallet is. You have no idea what lightning is. Uh, you know, it's just the easiest onboarder. Uh, but as we get, you know, more skilled, we want to see more skilled wallets, uh, something a little bit more um, in line with the Bitcoin ethos. So I'm happy about that. Yeah, 
it also remains to be seen, QW, how uh, the imminent advent of Bolt, Bolt 12 changes right. some of the, uh, these dynamics. So that's yeah. something to watch out for. And I think it's going to be a show we're going to have in the future where, you know, when it, when it gets closer or it, it, it happens, we can kind of, uh, you know, I, I'll, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a dev. I like to understand things uh, more in layman's terms. So it, it's nice to have shows like that where we can understand. Um, so what else? Uh, what's in the news? I, I saw breaking, uh, Banking Bad was coming back. The hashtag, uh, it, it kind of uh, went dormant for a month. And you're kind of wondering, well, we all kind of mm-hmm. knew that it was coming back. Uh, I think you had a post two weeks ago uh, saying it just, it just, it just, it's lying dormant or something along those lines. Uh, and then sure enough. Yeah. Yeah. I said, someone was asking me what, what happened to Banking Bad. And I said, it's on a brief hiatus. <laughs> and sure enough, it's, it's back and it's bad. What's yeah. the public bank? Yeah. Yeah. It went from 150 to $16. And everyone's like, wow, that's crazy. Uh, but, you know, in the banking world, how do you even stay alive if you if you if you drop like that? I mean, who in the right mind would keep their money there when it's at sixteen dollars? Um, you know, it, it's just kind of nuts to see that. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you know, three three four weeks later, now it's at a dollar ninety three. The last time I checked, so from one hundred and fifty dollars to one ninety three. And you know, there's still people trading it. It's just it's a shit coin. Uh, there, but there's still people there. So it's uh, it's amazing to see, um, it, and it's you know we have the, uh, the 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 corporate real estate that's going to be the next leg to fall. I'm sure um, there's a lot of stuff going on, uh, and and we're just you know we're they're saying it's a one off, but it's a bigger picture. Uh, I don't know enough about it, but yeah. we we I've been here before in 2008. I, I haven't been so uh, focused on it, but uh, you know we we've seen how these things work. Well, look, we had the 16th biggest bank in the country fall, Silicon Valley Bank, right? And then a little over a month later, we had the 13th biggest bank on the brink. I mean, at this point, I'm amazed the feds haven't yet stepped in and just taken it behind the woodshed to shoot it in the head. Yeah. The public. I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. That would be the kindest thing. Uh, but that, that's probably imminent at this point, right? So you have the 16th and the 13th biggest gone. I mean, it just makes you wonder what's next. And in, and in between, we had Credit Suisse, right? Obviously not a US bank, but Credit Suisse go down as well. So uh, banking bad is probably coming back. So we can have some fun with the hashtags. It, it's fun. It, it really is. But it's sad. <laughs> but, you know, it, all these regulations and then all failures <laughs> all over the place. So it, it's interesting. So um, another thing that uh, I'll go ahead. I was just going to say it, it, it's fun uh, at a superficial level as a Bitcoiner. It is sad as a human being that something like this is happening. Yeah, absolutely. So another thing uh, this week, um, you know, I, I think I think we all learned something. You know, Cassie came around, a brand new pleb. Everyone jumped on it. Uh, it was kind of funny because uh, it was Pablo, I think, was the first person to uh, share it. But uh, the, the, the it's kind of like the, the it was just the current thing for the day. Um, and now, now it's kind of uh, okay. Well, is Cassie real? Um, but beyond that, I think it's more the the importance of verifying uh, that we learn from that. You know, the importance of verifying, not jumping, not getting too excited. Uh, you know, it, it's it's was she cast fishing? You know, was it is it a catfish or uh, is is she for real? 
Uh, but you'll never know. I, I, maybe we will. We tried to offer her. A, you you offered her a spot on the show. Um, she passed for now. Uh, <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the day, I think it's just more of importance of verifying uh, these new people because it seemed like there was a few others yeah. that came right after that 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 seemed like their their profile was a little too set up to be uh, brand new and wandering the uh, the the realm. You yeah. know. And 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 shout out to Derek Ross for uh, for being the only one <laughs> to to call this out. I mean, a lot of us were thinking this in private, but Derek actually uh, we said it in public. So uh, not, you you did uh, you were doing the Lord's work, Derek. Appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, thank you. I mean, and I think it's funny because we all have our own way of kind of calling it out uh, via meme. You know, we're, we're, we 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 tend to be a joking uh, culture in the in the Bitcoin world or the pleb world. Uh, so it's uh, it's it's our own way of questioning it, um, trying not to be too direct, but indirectly c- comedy, you know, because it's it's just, it's 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 interesting. It's it's fun. Uh, we have a fun crowd to, to play with when when stuff like that happens. Uh, and that's where the excitement is. If there's an easy, low hanging fruit joke, uh, we're going to be all over it. Uh, kind of like Skola Satoshi Day. Oh, yeah. And QW, I guess uh, before we bring our friends on, there was one last topic we wanted to talk about. Uh, I think I was a little over the top last week in my giddy support of only zaps. Not to say I, I'm not an only zap supporter. I, I, I still love it. Uh, but I think it's become a very divisive issue over the week. Um, and and we saw, you know, things got a little unpleasant. So what i'm going to say is it's i'm good i like it so i'm going to keep it uh but you went through an interesting experiment of your own do you want to talk about that a little bit yeah so i mean i i i you know in in the nature of a beta test test you know i i wanted to kind of see okay well here's here's only zaps let's let's try it out so i did it for two three days and I, the first thing i noticed is all right all right i'm i'm, I'm tr- supposed to, i'm trying to like something and i'm i'm thinking okay well I can't like it, so maybe I'll just uh, zap it. So that's uh, clearly the natural reaction. Um, but even when people would comment back, I'd be like, well, should I zap this? Should I zap that? Uh, and I end up just throwing a shock up, throwing a, a, a normal comment. Um, but then I, you know, a few days later, I go back to likes and I accidentally liked some a couple things and it just really felt dirty to me. Uh, it just felt cheap. Uh, I felt like it's, it's, I mean, it's proof of stake essentially. Uh, proof of work. I, I really think uh, zapping is the is the way to do it. Uh, another thing I I mentioned, uh, you know, kind of when it first started, I, I you know, as having a kid that's uh, three months old, and and he's my uh, he he's my time preference. Do I want to live in a world of likes or do I want to live in a world of zaps? So I I don't want uh, him living this dopamine world where you're just looking for likes and all you're doing is counting them and you know half of them are bots or whatever. Uh, you know, I, I want proof of work and a hundred percent, uh, it's doing that, doing that, uh, experiment, uh, really just set me at ease. And that's just for me, you know, it, it everyone can try it themselves, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, I just felt likes for Fiat. Mm-hmm. Well, also QW, uh, commenting and reposting our form of proof of work as well, right? You're, you're putting something at stake rather than throwing, um, a, just a like at it, which can be hidden. And also on a platform or, or on a protocol, I should say, like Nostra, where most clients don't yet and hopefully won't ever have an algorithm. It's unclear to me what the value of likes is. Um, 
I've been testing Blue Sky a little bit, and obviously they have likes. They clearly don't have zaps. Mm -hmm. uh, and they have this, uh, their equivalent of the global feed is this thing called What's Hot. You, you, I'm, you've signed up as well. You've seen yeah, it. yeah. I think I've, I've peekabooed a little bit. They don't, they don't have hashtags. Uh, Walker can't get the footster in there, so that's that's rough. <laughs> well, but the other thing is the what's hot is not like uh, the global feed that we had when we joined Nostra. It's a, it's an arbitrarily curated feed with the criterion being if you get something, it's something like if a post gets some uh, something like more than eight likes it makes it into the what's hot feed so i again i'm not a fan of that type of uh, algorithm or, or social media experience well i mean if i made seven accounts and i liked my own and then i had my seven accounts like it too i don't know i mean it's just you're setting it up for these bot farms or whatever to do the same thing right mm -hmm. i mean yeah. th there's always going to be a gamifying of what's hot you know, it, and at the end of the day, if, if there's no proof of work around it, um, it's it's going to be it's going to be cheap. Yeah, indeed. I think it's time for the lightning round with yeah. our good friends Doc and Gondolorian from the NOS report. Hey, hey, you guys hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, so. Good evening. <laughs> Colin, did you get the sound effects for the beginning? Let me try. Um, the I, intro I, I music. I think I did. I think I did. Hold on. Wow, right. that's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> Nice. Official Nostra report music. So, Corn, uh, can you drop that note from the Nostra report account? We're, uh, we're going to do, um, for everyone that's not able to make the nest, we are going to drop a note that does a recap of the week, too. Um, so we'll uh, drop that, and we can, I think we can put it up, a link up to it on the nest here, right? I haven't done that yet. All right, so um, let's start out. So April 21st was titled Zapgate. Um, and this was right after Only Zaps was released for beta testers on uh, Damas. And uh, one note I thought was really important was Will sharing his thoughts on how he decides what features go into Damas. And he said, Damas's goal from day one has always been to give individuals complete control over the types of interactions they want to have. Algorithms, users, and advertisers do not have authority over individual preferences. So I think we all took, you know, if you want to keep your likes and keep your likes, if you want to have only zaps and not interact with, uh, you know, getting shakas, if you think they're meaningless, then do your, do your thing. Um, so I, I appreciate that. And I think a lot of the, the NOS report crew appreciate that too. Um, meanwhile, on uh, the 21st, Amethyst launched NIP94, which was kind of a preamble to the rest of the week with uh, what happened later on uh, as far as the client wars. But if you're not familiar, it's um, kind uh, 1063 event, which was essentially a hash of the content of videos, images, and GIFs um, on the regular feed. 
Um, and it was the beginning, the preamble of a client wars, which was essentially um, a break in image compatibility between clients, um, which you know was pretty interesting. So uh, outside of Noster, Twitter continued its slow implosion. They uh, removed all the blue check marks from hundreds of thousands of accounts uh, who had paid for them. Um, including celebrities, journalists, other public figures. Uh, and there was a huge outlaw on Twitter. Um, I think uh, Walker and uh, Carla had an awesome video um, making fun of that. The, uh, the next day on the 22nd, titled Noster plus Bitcoin equals freedom, um, the time chain actually made it back down to one sat per V-byte. Um, and uh, outside of Noster again, Argentina hit uh, a inflation rate of 104% on an annual basis, and their central bank raised their uh, interest rates by 300 bips, which is crazy. So hyper Bitcoin is, or I guess it's hyper Bitcoinization with the Argentinian peso um, live, uh, you know, on the ground. It's it's pretty nuts to think about that. Um, Bitcoin Magazine also released their. Uh, super rare inscription of their new magazine cover um, and put it on an uncommon Satoshi from 2010. The magazine cover, I'm sure you guys have seen it, featured Julian Assange. Um, and there was a, a lot of backlash at, uh, in Noster um, about that. Then on the 23rd, retitled the Noster Report Meet the Parents, Jack welcomed his parents, Marsha and Tim, to Noster. There were some awesome memes, but unfortunately, that news got overshadowed by the uh, the client wars, which really started to heat up. Um, I wasn't there for it, but there was a Nostra nest between uh, Will and, and Vitor, and they failed to reach any sort of compromise. Essentially, Will feels that uh, Vitor is trying to push this um, this uh, NIP ninety four protocol through with um, without letting all the other clients. Um, you know, be able to adjust and have a say in it. Um, so Elon Musk uh, caved to those uh, the pressure about the blue check marks that I had mentioned, and he gave back blue check marks to high profile uh, users, including Jack. So Jack was surprised to learn that he was re-verified once again. Uh, and then, if you missed it, there's a link to the note from that day. Lynn Alden posted about uh, the, the WEF had a, a, a video that featured a bunch of Bitcoin miners talking about soaking up stranded energy. Uh, they didn't call them miners, though. They called them data centers. But still, if you look, there's a bunch of ASICs in that video, which is pretty funny. Um, on April 24th, probably the peak of these uh, the client wars, uh, Verbicha had the quote of the day. He said, Nasser is bigger than any of us or our projects. Act accordingly. So really heated up that day uh it was pretty noticeable that uh amethyst users were posting notes with uh blank you know, just blank notes and their images weren't rendering if you were using basically any other client um so vitor reminded everyone that nip 94 was an established protocol fiat Jeff was supportive but he also said that you know no one was really expecting uh vitor to to implement this nip in this way um, and Will was pretty adamant that we shouldn't be breaking basic things like imaging. Um, Jack weighed in, said, can't we hash this all out? Everything's been so collaborative thus far. 
And then Will throws back the idea of launching Damas Android. So really heated up that day. Also that day, Damas, their, uh, the Damas relay got cut off uh, for unknown reasons. And then Will realized that it was actually the one year anniversary of Damas. Uh, and he forgot to renew um, the license for the domain registration. Um, so happy anniversary to Damas. It was also the five-year anniversary, coincidentally, of the Bitcoin standard that day. And then one um, one story that I think was a little bit of a sleeper was this, uh, this um, I don't know if it was an app or what, but it's called Munster. Um, it was a, a project launched uh, for the MIT Bitcoin hackathon, um, and it looked pretty cool. They were able to basically... Um, use uh, sign multi-sig transactions over the Nasser protocol. It was a like proof, you know, just proof of concept kind of project. But, you know, I think we should look out to that in the future. It's a pretty cool idea. Um, April 25th was titled, Is It Lana Del Rey? And that kind of referred to Fiat Jaffe just randomly posted, so is this Lana Del Rey or not without any context? And it turned out that he was using um, Zapster and streaming music, and uh, he's you're able to post notes through through Pablo's uh, client, which is Zapster. Um, but it's kind of funny that those notes show up without any context in the in the regular Nostr feed. Um, that day, uh, DMNYC also dropped a his second uh, in his series called Bitcoin for Bunnies. And you can find that on our website, Noster.report. Um, Pablo announced that he's stepping back from Swan Bitcoin to fully focus on Noster. Um, and he was also on Nostrovia this week, so um, definitely catch up on that. Um, Jack urged everyone to support the Bitcoin Legal Defense Fund um, because uh, Craig Wright was continuing to attack open source developers. And uh, Twitter is in the news again because they added labels to tweets that had been flagged by the company to reduce their visibility. And their new tagline is freedom of speech, not reach. So basically openly admitting to shadow banning uh, users, but now they're labeling them as well, which is pretty sad state of affairs. Um, the next day was, uh, there's something about Cassie. So Pablo uh, reposted a note by a new user um, which said, basically, I've read about Nostra on Twitter and I thought no one was using it. And he said, hey, everyone, welcome this new user. Um, so after that, she basically turned into a meme and took off by um, Storm. Everyone was welcoming her, welcoming her. Everyone was zapping her. Um, no one really thought anything of it uh, until I think Derek was started sending alarms. He was like, hey, like, how do we know who this person is? Like, what are their real intentions? Uh, you can look at some of his notes. He did a little bit of uh, research. Um, I know Avi invited her to kind of um, to the um, to nest tonight, but I think she uh, politely declined. Um, but either way, as you guys mentioned before, it's always good to to uh, verify, not just how our trust. Um, but this was a good distraction from these uh, client wars. It did seem like they cooled down uh, a bit because. Um, the next day, Vitor had announced that the Google Play version of Amethyst would not implement these uh, new NIPs, which were breaking um, the uh, image display, image rendering. Uh, he was not going to uh, have them in the Google Play version. 
Um, let's see, also on the 26th, episode 34 of Bitcoin.review came out. You guys definitely need to listen to that. Um, it was with uh, MDK, who's a host, uh, and he had Fiat Jeff, um, Will, Pablo, and Odell. Uh, I listened to it today. It was a really good episode. I recommend that everyone uh, take a listen. Um, also, Telegram in Brazil was uh, essentially compelled to suspend their uh, service when they failed to hand over user data. Um, and it just kind of shows the power of Nostra and why, uh, why we're here, why we're building here. Um, let's see, highlighter.com, Pablo's new project, uh, came out and it's essentially like, uh, if you haven't used it, like a Pinterest, um, but decentralized, completely decentralized where you can go and, and highlight, uh, any material from any other website and bring it in, um, creates a new kind that you can then repost. And I saw some stuff today, um, on Amethyst about how they're, showing that that new event which is pretty cool um also yesterday and uh or the 26th and 27th was the bitcoin policy summit we have some links to some talks the keynote speech was jack mauler's and it was awesome you, you should definitely check that out um and then apple removed the bitcoin white paper that was uh in their latest version of ventura um let's see yesterday um, Walker dropped some impressive numbers from Primal. I think he had earlier had um, had some numbers that may not have been accurate. Primal revised those numbers, but still they're pretty impressive. 475,000 active users, 598,000 Um And then the update numbers were 6.924 Bitcoin zapped with, uh, oh, they said 612,000 zaps averaging about uh, 1,130 sats per zap. Um, and that's pretty much it. I think it was a pretty crazy week. Lots of stuff, lots of ups and downs, um, a little bit of arguments, but it seems like things are somewhat resolving, at least with the client wars. That was a great recap, Doc. Thank you. Gone, anything to add to that? No, not much. I think the the uh, you know welcoming Cassie to the uh, to the network, it, in my opinion, silenced a lot of criticisms that were starting to go around. I uh, was starting to see some people saying that we were talking too much about this, too much about that. We weren't maybe weren't being as welcoming to new users as as we should be. Might be turning people away, and I think that with Cassie just completely blew that argument out of the water. Noster is the best social network in the world. We, we move quick here. Right? I mean, we, we were like, uh, <laughs> we, one day to the next is just amazing how, uh, the current thing shifts. It's, it's great. I, I love that aspect of it. We don't get hung up. All right, QW. I think it's time to get Zach yes. on stage. Very excited about this. So this is going to be uh, Zach's first nest, I believe, and uh, with his experience, I feel like uh, I feel like it, it, it's not going to be your last, uh, especially as we build forward in this protocol. Uh, I'm really excited. I hope not. I, I I'm excited too. Thanks for inviting me, guys. Yeah, and everybody hear him in the audience. He's good. Am I coming through? <laughs> okay. 
You are, Zach. Maybe your audio is a bit on the low side. I don't know if you can. Oh, uh, okay. Let me boost that. Is that any better? Oh, much better. Okay. Perfect. Great. So, Zach, welcome to Plapchain Radio. Really, really appreciate you taking the time to yeah. do this. Thanks for thanks for having me here. I'm I'm excited to talk about Nostar. I'm excited about Nostar as as a project, and it's been really interesting to watch it grow. Um, and it, it seems to be growing and kind of evolving every single day. Uh, and uh, it was, yeah, it was interesting just listening to you guys talk about it because you're you're monitoring it, you know, much closer than I am. Uh, all all the trends and what's going on underneath the hood, and it, it's encouraging to hear that the the usage is is going up the the zaps being sent back and forth seems to be uh on an upward trajectory so those those are all good signs yeah we truly yeah. we, we're really trying to build i mean you can tell I, I i don't know how much you've dealt in the community here uh just be it but the engagements and i mean the community here is just bar none uh nothing like we've seen before it's really like the uh the the, the 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 most common uh, uh thing i hear is it's like the you know the original internet the early 90s uh yeah. just just before all the uh the capture happened you yeah know? <laughs> the, the dream of the 90s is definitely alive on Noster. and like it, it's also interesting like i you know i'm on twitter too of course and i have magnitude more followers but there are certain things, especially if it's something that's, you know, of particular interest to the Nostra audience where I will get equal or more engagement on things over here is by having a small fraction of, of the followers. Because, um, you know, if you're if at least you're talking about the a certain topic, then it really can can break through here in a way that it just gets buried uh, over there. Yeah, and that's with the amount of users we have. I mean, it's pretty yeah. pretty crazy uh, when you when you kind of compare it that way. Um, so how did how did you get into journalism? Uh, what we you started? Uh, I, I I believe I read you went to uh, Florida for college. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, UF, and uh, I studied journalism there. I also started getting into film and video production while I was there, kind of on the side, and that's really what I kind of leaned into after i graduated i moved out to la and was kind of working just low-level production jobs and uh reason the the magazine i work for now was just launching their video division uh, you know a few years after i got out there and i'd, I'd always been a I, or i'd been a reader of the magazine for a long time and i was I've always been interested in new media i guess that that's part of my interest in nostra as well um and so this was kind of the dawn of digital video and starting to hand the means of video production to uh, people who otherwise would not have been able to afford getting into that. And, and I was excited that Reason was launching a video division. They were one of the first news organizations to do online video. Uh, Drew Carey, actually, of all people, was the person who initially seeded that because he was, he was a big libertarian. Um, and did a whole series in Cleveland uh, that that I thought was pretty great. And so I jumped on that train and then uh, haven't jumped off since. And uh, I've really en enjoyed my time over there because they just they just give me a lot of room and autonomy mm -hmm. to kind of pursue what I'm interested in. And, and Reason is certainly a source I turn to frequently and have been for the past 
I mean, over 10 years at this point. Uh, and it, it aligns a lot of the things in Reason Magazine and Reason TV align well with uh, Bitcoin philosophy. And also talking about video, I think uh, if, if the plebs in the audience haven't seen any of them, you should check out Remy's videos, mm -hmm. uh, which he does for Reason. They are hilarious. Strong recommend. Yeah. I, do you have any anything to do with those uh, videos, Zach? Uh, I I am no I'm not personally involved with that. Those are uh, a collaboration between Remy and um, th these two brothers, Meredith and Austin Bragg. Um, they all kind of work as a team to make those. And uh, Austin and Meredith are kind of the heads of the comedy division over there. Um, and they've also just put out a a good movie uh, that their their debut feature called Pinball. Uh, but yeah, we've got a, a good comedy unit uh, that's always been kind of integral to to what Reason is all about. We we like to you know inject a, a satirical take on things and you know not not take ourselves too seriously, uh, hopefully. And um, but yeah, that's that's mostly them. And then you know the the overlap with Bitcoin, I think, and and crypto and and. Noster, it's all uh, especially strong on the video side, in part because our managing editor, Jim Epstein, was an early adopter of Bitcoin, and he produced a, a really great, I, I consider it like the definitive series on the cypher, cypherpunk movement. Um, it's called Cypherpunks Write Code, and it's a, I think, three or four part series that just goes into the history of how we got there and and it's like watching that and you know going back and reading the cypherpunk manifesto we're talking about the 90s 1993 it's like this is that coming to fruition now it, it feels like like we're still in in the early days obviously um and it's i i think Noster is kind of gonna be a little bit of a maybe it's gonna be a slow upward trajectory here but that that might be kind of good in a way like you know i uh, uh abby you were kind enough to share a uh blue sky code code with me and i was checking that out today and yeah a lot of people have jumped on that quickly but and and you know that that's great i'm glad the the all these alternatives are, are popping up but it is it does have the feel of like okay this is Uh, he's gross and i want to it's this it's kind of like the same self-selected mastodon group and there's a different crowd over here at noster who i think are very committed and like very ideological and i say that as a good thing because that kind of core i think almost guarantees that it's going to keep going even if there's kind of they're, they're willing to be patient and and wait for that and i think there's there's a lot of strength uh, in in that dynamic because eventually we all know that like the shit's going to hit the fan and then people are going to be looking for something like this. And hopefully by that time, this will be like all, all the kinks will be kind of worked out and it'll be f much easier for non-technically inclined people to, to jump in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure, Zach. And we are 
or some of us, or maybe most of us, are anti-Elon for very different reasons than the yes. Blue Sky crowd. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. Um, I mean, there's plenty. There's plenty to be, uh, you know, repelled by, um, and I, I share m many of those criticisms. The thing that the the thing though is that I am still I I've always been pro Elon buying Twitter because I think it needed to be disrupted. Like what was happening over there was uh you know and and what he's re revealed with <laughs> by dumping all the Twitter files that needed to somehow get dislodged. And you know whether Twitter succeeds or ultimately crumbles under his leadership. It's like a little less interesting to me than just the fact that he, you know, was the wild card. Uh, someone needed to play that wild card and, and change the terms of the game. And, and he did that. And that enabled Noster, Mastodon, now Blue Sky to emerge. And, and that was that was the turning point. So I'm pro Elon mm -hmm. taking over Twitter, even if I'm not pro everything Elon Musk does. And that's a good point, Zach. I, I, in in that vein, I am pro Elon taking his uh, flamethrower to Twitter. I think it's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good way to think about uh, it. So, uh, Zach, uh, you, you know, you did touch upon uh, Bitcoin a little bit, but I'm curious to hear what was how how did you first find out about Bitcoin? Hmm. Are you would you consider yourself a hardcore Bitcoiner or just someone who's Bitcoin curious? I mean, you know, I, I own some Bitcoin. I've been interested in it for a long time. I probably learned about it by reading about it in Reason. You know, uh, I think Brian Doherty was the first person who started covering it for Reason back in the, in the very early days, you know, when it was worth pennies on the dollar, just, uh, you know, as a interesting look at this weird libertarian currency experiment that's kind of like the dream that hayek had uh decades ago um and then you know he i like everyone followed the silk road saga um and that's pro probably one when <laughs> honestly like the emergence of silk road and um the the online drug markets that was probably really where my interest got first peaked and when I first started buying some Bitcoin, um, not saying I did anything illegal with that Bitcoin, uh, but, uh, you know, that that was the moment where I was like, OK, I can see now that this is an effective tool for subverting a, a ridiculous state prohibition, which is how I view the war on drugs. And uh, have you had any experience with, or or rather, what has your experience been with zapping uh, on Nostra? Yeah, yeah, zapping has been like that has really bolstered my belief in the Lightning Network for sure. Like, I I was one of those people who was kind of been a skeptic of lightning uh and you know it, it just seemed like it was going to be a hard sell to get bitcoiners to start 
and mass adopting a second layer um, for various, I guess, ideological reasons, uh, kind of just practical reasons, um, adding another wrinkle into things. But seeing it work this way has made me much more of a believer. And, and I guess even more so what I have always been a skeptic of is micropayments in general. But the idea, you know, even if you're getting, you know, a cent, three cents on some posts, like it just, it does feel different. And it feels good uh, that someone is zapping you and it's fun to zap other people. Uh, and uh, I recently, I posted this on Nostra the other day, but I was recently in uh, Roatan, the island off of the coast of Honduras, because they're building, there's a company there building basically a private city that was enabled by this law passed in 2014, um, and it's called Prospera. So it's going to be essentially a private government on the island of Roatan. And in there, there's a Bitcoin center, Bitcoin education center that's uh, run by a guy named uh, Dusan Mats uh, Matsu Mat Matuska. Yeah, Dusan Matuska. And uh, I was able to spend some of my hard-earned uh, Nostra zaps uh, buying a coffee there. So that was pretty exciting too. Yeah, it's pretty powerful when you when you can purchase things. You can actually it goes from a proof a, a concept to an actual uh, currency. Exactly, um, and it's easy. It's seamless. Uh, yeah, and, 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 and yeah, yeah. And let me just say, like, also that is the the differentiating factor for Nostra versus some of these other sites we've mentioned is the way it's so seamlessly integrated in all of the clients um that this seems to be kind of intrinsically tied like lightning bitcoin and nostra are like they're in a marriage uh for life and that it's, it's it that is a special thing um and that is that in itself i think creates a lot of value for the network it's almost like a bitcoiner uh created uh nostra you know <laughs> I think that's the beauty of protocol because there's no no one to point at too. You know, it's yeah. it's something where it's just unstoppable. Uh, you know, Satoshi want a peer to peer. Uh, well, I mean, there's nothing more pure than Noster peer to peer, yeah. and and with paywalls too. If you're talking about uh, you know Reason, uh, you know a lot. Of, you know, I don't know if Reason has paywalls, but a lot of these uh, online have paywalls and. It's like it just stops you and like, well, I'm going to put my credit card in right now. This doesn't make any sense. You know, I'm not going to spend 10 minutes putting my payment information in just to get through a, you know, one dollar paywall. Um, so it, it it really that that seamless factor, the permissionless uh, instant is just so, so powerful that we we don't know it yet. You know, we're just we're just we're just touching it with Noster. Yeah. Um, well, let me ask you on that. You know what? Do you think, are you bullish on the idea of, I guess, micropayments or streaming sats for media production, like going forward? Or do you think this is going to mostly stay contained to the realm of, you know, liking social media posts? I think it's going to go further. Uh, it's just coming, it's going to come down to more people using it. If you look at the Lightning Network growth, uh, it's growing. Uh, there's, yeah. there's, there's, it, it, I mean, almost parabolic in, in a way. Uh, it's just going to have to be kind of a, a, a something that, that people do every day. Um, 
you know, I it, it the more people that onboard into Noster, the more the more people have Lightning wallets, the more people, uh, you know, it's not a lot of money uh, when you actually break it down into cents. But if 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 you have massive amount of people sending a little bit of money, it it makes a lot of difference. Um, and I think you know, like like Jack posted that uh, um, the, the the Bitcoin Defense Fund. I, the first thing I said was Jack, make a uh, Noster, make a Noster account. Because when people can tr- when people can send money easily, it, it makes it so much it, so, so much more of an impact, in my opinion. Uh, versus, you know, it just people get reluctant when they see barriers uh, or yeah. just the, the time that it would take, or you know, it, it just when it when it doesn't take thought, it's it, it's just a finger tap away. So I think I think it's very interesting. Um, but then again, we're in a niche right now, so uh, mm-hmm. it, it, but it's powerful. And it's global. It's not just us. You know, it's just not just me in my in, in my house in Phoenix. It's it's everyone. And Zach, there is I'm, I'm sure you've heard this term before um, value for value, right? It's mm-hmm. you. It's, we have content creators who are creating something of value uh, for an audience who recognize that value and reward them with it. Right. And streaming sats is one manifestation of that. Uh, maybe single zaps um, on on content uh, is another way, but we, so we're still we're we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg at this point on what value for value looks like and what its final incarnation is yeah. going to look like. We we don't know yet. Yeah, I mean, uh, but pe- I think you know people are getting accustomed uh, to like subscription models. You know, Substack has been a big. Uh, y- y- a big push in that direction obviously people pay for their their streamers and all that stuff um and you know i guess like yeah if you could make it a little more a la carte like i want to pay just a little bit just to read this Substack. see the thing is that that's what like the next step needs to be is like all these things like Substack and um all these paywall things are you can't use Bitcoin for it. So I, I don't know like what it is that needs to be broken there. Maybe it all eventually needs to route through Nostrip, but um, that that is like the, the future I'm excited about where it's just normal for people to get content through Bitcoin because it's a big barrier. Like, okay, so one of the things that I think is great about Nostra is, you know, I'm someone who has my name, has my face and everything, but most of you are behind, you know, these, these avies and are uh, anonymous or pseudonymous. And I think there's real value to that. And that is what is now getting, that's what's like in the crosshairs right now. Um, that is what uh, Elon is going to bring down on Twitter and it's going to go across all the networks. There's I mean, I think that the, I think the pretense is going to be just the the most horrible things, you know, like child abuse, porno, child pornography, stuff like that. So they're going to be putting these age barriers on things, and that's how they're going to set up. Basically, you have to have an ID to do anything on the internet uh, because we have to make sure you know you're over 13 or whatever the age is that they're going to set. The other thing is like social media addiction is being pushed as a as a big panic uh to like cut off you know we can't let kids get on social media so everyone needs to show their id to get 
<laughs> on the internet. And uh, the existence of something like Nostra is going to be the counterweight to that, I think. And and Bitcoin is, is part of that because then you are, you know, you're, you're separating the money from the identification, uh, which you cannot do with credit card payments, obviously. So that is kind of like what I'm, I'm looking for to happen. And I'm, I'm hopeful that it, it will on, on this platform eventually. I think those are all important. And, um, you know, this is a platform that anybody can speak up and use. Uh, you know, it's something that we encourage you to speak up more, but the more you can, um, I think the more attention coming here, uh, just, just draws the, the, the comparison to what we came from, you know, it, it, yeah. it's kind of amazing once you, once you get a little taste of freedom and, uh, you know, individualism, uh, it being, being kind of in a sovereign mind, uh, mm -hmm. it, it really, it's empowering, you know, and, and you're, uh, it, 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 you kind of have to experience it because um, you got to yeah, get out of the matrix. <laughs> that idea of sovereignty uh, seems so central to, I. you know, it, it's only in recent years that I've realized how central that is to like, I guess, the Bitcoin ideology. Like for you guys, was that like an important component that made you want to, you know, go into this world or did that kind of come later? I think that was one part of it, Zach. Um, most of it, well, I'll speak for myself, uh, but I suspect the sentiment is somewhat shared by folks here. I was, I was at a point where I was really unhappy with what I was seeing on Twitter. I, I was feeling manipulated by the algorithm. Mm -hmm. uh, around October, November of last year, we had the Twitter files drop and then we had all of those uh, and happened to coincide separately with this Sam Bankman-Fried uh, business in FTX, right? So you had these uh, characters who uh, would create, who'd uh, form these Twitter spaces, right? With tens of thousands of folks, Mario Nafal and Kim.com and all, all these, other, and, and it was such a charade. Uh, it was so obvious, right? That these all the people who were on stage had, uh, had somehow pulled some strings to get themselves on stage and they were peddling this influence. And then on top of it, right, the algorithm feeding you these violent videos. So I, I was by November, December of last year in a state of mind, whereas I, I was ready. I was ready for something different. And then when Jack Dorsey posted sometime in mid-December, early to mid-December about this, I immediately jumped ship because I wanted to try it. And just seeing the Bitcoin integration and it was... And because it was Jack Dorsey who posted it, it was mostly Bitcoiners. Yep. And and you know the funny thing is, Zach, right? Bitcoiners have this, or can have this uh, bad reputation of being toxic and you know yelling and and screaming. But if when Bitcoiners meet in person, it is they they are the happiest, most hopeful people uh, you you'd ever meet. I would strongly recommend if you have not been to a Bitcoin conference or a Bitcoin meetup, uh, you should do it. These I'm are going to be in Miami. I, uh, are... I'm going to be in Miami uh, for Bitcoin Miami this this year. So uh, come if you're well, listen to this, come come up and say I'll hi. Be there. I, well, I'll do that for sure, Zach, because is, I'll be there. Oh, Zach, well, you'll see. Is, is Zach going to Nostra karaoke? <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know about that, but maybe I will now. 
I will forward the in invitation to you, Zach. <laughs> nice. But the point I was making is Bitcoin, meeting Bitcoiners in real life is an incredibly invigorating experience just because of the amount of hope that uh, you feel. And, and, and it's, so it's really fun. And that experience was replicated when I, when I started on Nostra. And I suspect uh, some of the other folks felt this as well, right? That same early or late 90s, uh, mid to late 90s internet feel of being on ICQ, yeah. ch uh, chatting with random people, but yeah, just having fun conversations, no algorithm man manipulating you. So that's what drew me to Nostra. Uh, I don't know if uh, QW, Corn, Doc, if you have, uh, if you want to share something about that. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I've uh, I've kind of always uh, been awake in that in, in that respect. So I've always kind of been looking for an outlet. I've had an a, I've had an Anon account uh, on Twitter for a long time. Um, Facebook I deleted. I was done with that. Um, it's just been it's just kind of the the I always say it the the game of plinko where I just keep going down and down and I this is my basket now. Um, so it's it's kind of my natural fit. Um, but I, I definitely feel uh, a lot more uh, alive here. You know, and I can be myself. I don't have to worry about things. Uh, the the out, you were just in a, in a screaming in an abyss there, and that's where I was just done with it. I, I stopped mm -hmm. engaging. Um, you know, and I think that's a lot of it. Um, when Zach was talking about, uh, uh, you know, the engagement factor um, when you can compare the uh, the amount of people. I think a lot of people are just over it. Uh, they're just they're just there to peek at it, uh, look at a couple couple posts and not even engage, not even talk, because what's the point? Yeah, for, for sure. I, I'm curious, just, you know, you, you mentioned uh, Kim.com. What, what is the, you're saying he's like a captured asset or, or something like that? What's what's the deal with well, Kim.com? So, Zach, I, I, I will, so I'll answer that, but I, the skilled journalist in you has converted this into an interview. Okay, sorry. You sorry. interview Q. Yeah, I'll, I'll go, I'll uh, go uh, back to uh, sitting back and answering questions after this. Well, no, look, it's Kim.com. Kim I am naturally skeptical of anyone who promotes, um, well, this is a family show, so I'll say altcoins. Oh. Uh, and he certainly is an, is a, an altcoin promoter and, uh, has very much so. Uh, I believe it's Bitcoin Cash, if I'm not mistaken, is the one he's uh, promoting. So I, I'm naturally skeptical of him and uh, can't take such people seriously. Um, and just uh, and among his, well, th there was also the sycophancy in uh, uh, in those Twitter spaces when every time Elon they brought Elon on and saying, "Oh, Elon, we're so happy you're here with on your pr private jet talking to us." It, it was. Uh, frankly nauseating to watch uh, but turning it back to the interview zach uh qw uh we were going to talk about um we, we picked four of your videos zach mm -hmm. uh to go through three of them are very relevant to nostra but maybe we'll start with the one that maybe is not quite as on point um the one um on the california and texas homelessness so qw you had some uh, thoughts about that you want to take that one yeah, well, well. First and foremost, I, I really enjoyed your video um, that you just kind of documented your your journey from uh, uh, California to to Florida. Oh yeah, um, thanks. I I moved to Florida from from Phoenix to uh, in in two thousand right after the last housing crash. I moved out there for like three years. I took yeah. that I ten all the way down. Had some had some fun along the way. Nice. Um, Which part of Florida did you live in? I lived in Deerfield Beach, uh, okay. so to South Florida, uh, not too south, but not too north. 
Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was it was beautiful. But um, you know, you talked about a lot of the reasons. I think you're being uh, uh, very graceful when you're when you're talking about the reasons you were you were leaving. Um, but um, you know, how's it's been a year now? Uh, is was it one of the greatest things you've done? Um, you know, yeah. I know you still miss California. I'm sure. Oh yeah, I mean, of course, I there's aspects of California I miss. It's a it's a beautiful state, and there's great food and culture there. Unfortunately, it's got, I believe it was, you know, Peter Thiel kind of framed it this way as like the re it's got the resource curse that a lot of like oil rich countries have where it has all this, these great natural resources. And so the political class is basically able to sit there and um, not really perform and just get like increasingly captured by special interests. And that's, kind of what I see as the the sad story of California at the moment. And um, yeah, it was it got obviously particularly bad during the pandemic and the restrictions were just they did not seem to want to let go of them. Like at, at the time I was getting out there out of there, uh, I, I really didn't know if it was ever going to go back to normal. And uh, I, I don't think in some ways, like it's from what I've heard from my friends who still live there, it's it's a, gotten back a little bit more to normal than I would have would have expected. But still, you know, a, a lot of weirdness there. Um, and then just kind of, you know, uh, once you lock everything down and kind of put uh, these these uh, social measures on everybody, uh, the 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 social trust starts to decay and if you're living in areas that were already kind of like on the bubble that it takes years to re to reverse and i have three young kids so i wanted to get somewhere that did not have all these problems and florida does not have most of those problems um and it's it's a lovely place it's where i grew up um i've got family here so it just made sense. And uh, I'm yeah, I, I cannot complain. I cannot say that I regret it at all. Yeah, no. And uh, those draconian measures were just I mean, um, Avi was in uh, New York City and he oh, moved yeah. out uh, to, to he, he moved north. <laughs> <laughs> it's still in New York State. Yeah. Um, but yes, I'm I felt the pain for sure. Well, there's a ton of New Yorkers uh, down here. I'm sure you know, New Yorkers and New Jersey people are just like flooding into Florida. I mean, F Florida actually surpassed New York as the third most popular po populous state, like uh, a little bit before the pandemic, a few years before the pandemic. So that that trend was already in motion, but that that definitely accelerated things. Yeah, and you look at uh, I think Texas, what four million people moved there. Uh, yeah, something that. like that. Yeah. And it's amazing when you see. So, like, I watched your video, um, kind of in the comparisons of uh, Texas versus uh, California and how they're uh, tackling homelessness. Um, and you see all those people moving out of California, but mm -hmm. they still have homelessness going up. Then you see all those people moving into Texas, and you see homelessness going down. Um, you know, just 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 you know, zoom out. That you know, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But then you start getting into the jurisdictions. Um, talk about that a little bit. Cause I, I, I mean, for me, just looking at California, I, I, I would go there once a year, just drive there and, and it would get worse and worse. 
um, as far as the homelessness and this kind of social decay, I would call it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it, it's, it's almost now it's just like, babe, we're going to go down to Rocky point, Mexico. We're not going to go to, <laughs> we're, we're, I mean, it, we know what we're going to get there, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, and it's affordable. Um, yeah. I, it, the affordability I, you know, aspect too. You know? Yeah. I mean, th- that's really a, a huge component of it. I, I lived in LA and I, pr- while I was there, I produced a couple documentaries on the homelessness problem there because LA is the largest unsheltered homeless population of any city in America. New York has a larger homeless population, but more of them are sheltered. Obviously weather plays a big factor there, but it's not just weather, it's also law enforcement. And um, yeah, I was curious about Texas because Houston in particular has experienced huge growth uh, over the past decade or so. And, you know, a lot of people have been responding to my documentary and they're like, well, Texas is cheap, so you don't go homeless there as easily. I'm like, yeah, that's true, but why is housing cheap in Houston? when it's been growing at a massive pace uh and at the same time you know people have been fleeing san francisco and la to a lesser degree and the the housing you know rentals have gone down a little bit but the housing you know to live in a house it's still you're you got to be a millionaire to do it in, in san francisco so the i looked at houston uh, San Antonio and Austin, who all take slightly different approaches. And, and Austin, unfortunately, is in some ways kind of replicating the West Coast model and has experienced a lot of the same problems. Um, but Houston, interestingly, is the it's the only large U.S. city that has zero zoning whatsoever. And so they can just build when there's a demand for more housing, they can build more housing. And lo and behold, the housing is not expensive in Houston. And that helps a lot when you're a homeless service provider trying to get people who are homeless into apartments or whatever, because then as a nonprofit, it's a lot cheaper to allocate some of your budget into like getting someone into an apartment. So that process works really well in Houston. They've tried to emulate it in LA, uh, and it's been a disaster because they end up spending half a million dollars up to $800,000 for like a single unit to house somebody who was homeless. And it's like when you've got 60,000 homeless people in LA County, you can kind of do the math and realize that's not going to work. And especially at, at the pace that they're able to build things, give it all the bureaucracy they have to navigate. So that's kind of the you know small summary of of the difference between texas and california um the documentary is about 25 minutes long so that there's there's a lot of granular differences that are important uh but that's kind of the big picture yeah you talked about zoning and i like uh in in the documentary there is austin and the ones the one spot that they that you highlighted was the one area that was kind of (laughs) with the no zoning and it was a yep. kind of a success story. Uh, it just, it really opened my eyes about how, uh, you know, we, we, we really get in our own way uh, yep. with a lot of this. Um, that was a guy who, you know, just built, uh, I mean, his idea initially was to build um, like RV parks for, to help people get back into homes. And then he ended up 
this he ended up building a little a little neighborhood of tiny homes um but these aren't like the lap these aren't like little shacks or you know sheds that you're putting people into they are actually little houses uh and you know depending on the rent that they they pay uh, they can you know have their own bathrooms in some cases and they've got electricity of course and all that stuff uh and his whole thing is you know what they call it there is community first and he his theory is that a lot of people go homeless because when they fall on hard times they have no friends or family support system and so he's trying to recreate a community to kind of help people learn how to live uh you know in civilization again and to your point the only way he was able to do that was to locate just on the other side of the city boundary where he didn't have to deal with austin's zoning and nimbyism yeah for 80k unit versus 800k you know right. and these aren't just units they're uh they're actually homes uh in a way so mm -hmm. <laughs> oh So, Zach, uh, there were three other videos that we wanted to talk about. I don't know if you're going to have time for all three of them, but maybe we'll start with the one that I thought was most prescient uh, from a Nostra perspective. I think it's about a th uh, video is about three years old, which is the, the has the media lost its gatekeepers. Mm. Uh, before we dive into it, uh, what was the story as as you started producing that video? What was the story you were trying to tell? So I produced that video to come out right at the end of 2019 because I was trying to tell, I was just reflecting on the 2010s and like, what was that decade all about? Uh, and what are the things that came to my mind to touch on the a theme we were talking about at the beginning of this is the, is the dawn of new media. Um, I mean, that's what it was for me. That's what enabled me to get into this line of work was that easy access to relatively high-end cameras and editing equipment um, and just going out and shooting stuff and not worrying too much about uh, what's going to happen to it. You know, you, this was like, you know, the beginning of YouTube basically also. So you could just put your stuff up there and see who wants to watch it. And so I viewed the 2010s as the, because of that new media revolution, the kind of beginning of the end for the media gatekeepers. And there, by the end of that decade, there was a major freak out over that fact as it was recognized and kind of what I was predicting near the end of that episode is that the 2010s is going to be, I mean, the 2020s is going to be the era that the gatekeepers attempt to reassert their power and authority in a big way. And I, I will, you know, I guess not so humbly say, I think that I've been vindicated in that. And, um, you know, I did not know the pandemic was going to happen and all this uh, craziness that ensued pertaining to that. But that is the the pattern that seemed to already be unfolding. And like so many other aspects of our lives, the pandemic, I think, really accelerated that process. 
and you did allude to uh, a potential decentralized um i guess alternative to yep. our existing gatekeepers right that, that could uh, come forth uh which is uh, to me just it seems like nostra just fits that perfectly uh -huh. and it's remarkable that you made that video three years ago because it, it just fit the description so well yeah well, th thank you i i don't remember if this was the video where i had did i specifically reference blue sky in that uh video i know okay okay there was another video where i talked about that because that was there was around yeah. that time jack was starting to talk about blue sky and kind of getting you know i guess woke to the idea that this is not a good situation. And so I, I've been very grateful uh, as I've been watching this unfold that there has been someone like Jack Dorsey who has been a little bit uh, ahead of the curve in, in anticipating it. I guess, you know, being an insider and seeing what happened to his company, uh, he it kind of forced him to confront that before a lot of other people did. Um, but I'm glad he at least was kind of like sowing the, the seeds at that time for something to sprout. Yeah, yeah. Jack Dorsey oh. is certainly a, a very interesting character in this. Uh, go ahead, Zach. Yeah, uh, you know, the, the other thing I just want to quickly mention about that video, um, just because I think it's, I want people uh Nostra to read this person it's a lot of it is based on the work of marshall McLuhan, who was a media theorist from the 1960s his most famous kind of slogan was that the medium is the message and that was true in the 2010s when the medium you know the medium change was basically digital and digital is different in that it is a democratizing force. Uh, and so in that sense, you know, it doesn't really matter when he's saying the medium is the message. It's like it, it, there's lots of different ideologies, lots of different groups that are using digital, but in the end, digital is just going to disrupt and kind of break down this like hierarchical structure that has that pervaded the kind of previous media era, which was um, what McLuhan called the uh, electric age. Um, I mean, we're still kind of in the electric age, but I think there's been a shift. In, and I even now see like Nostra is, this might be the next evolution where we're in the, the medium might actually be crypto. And what does that medium imply going forward i think one thing it obviously implies is privacy and um, another thing it might imply is sovereignty which we talked about before so these are things you know i i encourage people who are into kind of the theory of crypto to look at the media theory of marshall uh McLuhan. he's he's got lots of great books from you know the the gutenberg galaxy is is a great one that kind of traces the move from print or you know he traces all the way back from you know oral communication to scribes to the printing press to the electric age and uh he makes the case one that i find pretty compelling 
that changes in media are the fundamental movers in social and cultural change. So that that's kind of like the big the big galaxy brain take from uh, that that essay, I guess, where I'm I'm leaning on Marshall McLuhan to help mm -hmm. me out. So that yeah. was a lot of the inspiration in the de decentralized web is coming and uh, fight yeah. deplatforming, um, kind of taking that that theory and 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 playing it out in the real world as as uh, as all the pieces are moving. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, the the decentralized web is coming piece. I made kind of amidst there was a lot of this talk about uh, ramping up about big tech and you know, Elizabeth Warren, Ted Cruz, both kind of like coming together in that we need to like, I don't know, bring down the antitrust hammer or something and break up all the big tech companies and uh, they're going to control us forever. And these are monopolies. And I was just looking at some of the underlying technology and uh, had w was becoming more aware of some of these projects that I feature in that documentary. And thinking like, well, I, I actually don't think big so-called big tech is really going to dominate forever. I think it's, uh, I mean, at the time, Facebook was already hemorrhaging US users. Um, so I, I, their entire narrative I, I viewed as a kind of excuse to implement a regulatory regime that would kind of formally marry government and silicon valley uh they basically want it and you know if you recall facebook was kind of begging for this like mark zuckerberg published an article and you know i can't remember if it was the washington post or wall street journal but he published an op-ed saying like yes please regulate us because he just wanted to be like this is the government stamp of approval social media site and no one's going to be able to come and compete with us anymore and so uh, in in that in that particular piece, I was looking at a, a couple different projects, and one of them was what the uh, Internet Archive was doing at the time to decentralize its storage. Because uh, I'm sure you've all been to the Internet Archive and realized like what an important resource that is to preserve all that material. And they were basically all just all that material was just sitting on servers in a converted church building in uh it was like a christian science church building in san francisco it's a really cool building uh like they've converted like you'll, you'll be sitting in the pews and you look back and you see these giant servers towering over you um it's really amazing and like you go down into the basement and they're like scanning like old vhs tapes into the system uh but they were like well we can't have this all here because what if the government decides, say, they were just engaged in massive copyright infringement, which they are now facing, and they were trying to use like uh, IPFS and Filecoin. That was kind of their solution to distribute this material and make sure that it wasn't just with them. So I just thought that was a, a really cool project and wanted to kind of highlight both the problems with the, the framing around the, I guess the discourse around big tech and the social media companies and also, you know, potential non-state solutions to deal with some of the 
problems that that are legitimate with centralization of social mm -hmm. media. And have you experienced any uh, uh, any uh, shadow banning or anything like that? Well, I, I wouldn't know uh, the, <laughs> kind of the the thing, uh, you know. Uh, but I, I don't know if I have. But I will, you know, on YouTube, our YouTube channel. The one thing we have gotten one video removed that I made, which was right at the beginning of the pandemic. I made a video about these biohackers who were basically trying to make like a DIY uh, COVID vaccine. Um, and they were trying to, they basically looked at like this, there's this company, Inovio, that had come up with a pretty good mRNA candidate. And this is so crazy because this was before anyone like knew what mRNA was. Like I, I didn't know what it was really. So I, you know, looked into it and like interviewed them and they, you know, basically came up with a, a clone of what this company had, had come up with. And we're like, yeah, we're going to raise some money. They, they did like a Bitcoin, like an anonymous Bitcoin fundraiser to raise some money for it to, to synthesize it. And so I just told the story of like, well, this is pretty crazy, like that this is a reality now. And then like that went up and then like, I don't know, six, seven months later, YouTube just did this algorithmic sweep of anything having to do with vaccines. And for some reason, my video was deemed medical misinformation and taken down. And so that probably gave our entire channel some sort of algorithmic like downranking that I don't know about. And, you know, we do stuff that is like pushing back on certain aspects of um, the most panicky versions of uh climate change coverage and sometimes we get like the little uh you know click on this wikipedia article to learn all about climate change and so i i'm just guessing that those sorts of things like have some sort of effect but it's all a black box you don't know yeah it's called being a journalist journalist these days you know that's <laughs> all you're trying to be you know it's if you a little pushback is is, is natural right so Zach, uh, before we wrap up, we have I have one question okay. for you, and uh, which is so in, in these two videos, right? The de decentralized web is coming, and flight uh, fight deep platforming. You talk to folks in the Web three world in the uh, Filecoin IPFS. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you had you had Munib on, and the other uh, from Stacks, yes. and someone from Urbit. Uh, have you tried? Well, first of all, right? Th these these videos were about. At least two years old. Uh, in ha, in seeing what's played out with those efforts and companies over the last two years, have you found any holes in in their reasoning around what they're trying to do with decentralization? And and I'm going to preface the question real quick, Zach, by saying we as Bitcoiners are incredibly skeptical yeah. of all of these efforts and companies um, because they're not really part of the bitcoin ethos even especially something like stacks claims to be bitcoin mm -hmm. uh it's a bit of a tenuous link right uh so yeah have you seen any holes come up in uh in their reason or did you try poking holes well i i think that the biggest hole is that it's hard to it's all about kind of the strength of the network and how widely adopted um, you can get these things to be. So that that's a real challenge for something like Filecoin or and, and you know, IPFS. The 
you know, Munib's thing with stacks, like I did think it was an interesting idea because if you could actually settle it in Bitcoin, then you're you're leveraging the Bitcoin layer to try to create some sort of you know social uh social layer on top of it um uh urbit i'll just go one by one you know urbit i'll I'll come back to stacks in a second but urbit um it's kind of like this like uh beautiful like theoretical idea you know i'm i'm not saying i'm like the most technically adept person but i'm probably slightly above average and i could like not figure that shit out so it's like that's gonna be a really high bar um to to get people into and i don't know exactly what is going to kind of drive drive that adoption um and maybe they don't care maybe they like having their own little world uh, over there with urbit uh but especially now that something like nostra exists i really um don't don't see much of a case for for something like urbit but, you know maybe i'm wrong I, I i try not to commit too strongly to one thing or another because i i want to you know try to cover all this stuff fairly but that's my 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 inclination you know and uh stacks i am a little more friendly towards just because it, it does have that that link to bitcoin i think it, it is it is important that bitcoin has such a big robust legacy network but maybe you all could explain to me like why that um why you why you say that the relationship is maybe more tenuous than than i'm giving it or that i'm seeing. well for starters they have they have their own altcoin again i'm using the kind term here but um <laughs> they don't actually need that right mm -hmm. if, if it was built on bitcoin then why aren't you using bitcoin why are you using your stacks token right but i i think zach maybe this is a good topic for a separate discussion because yep. we, we can get very technical on this uh it's uh there there are some concerns that there is a bit of orange washing going on with uh, with stacks i mean mm. look the, the, i i've corresponded with muneeb a few times he's a good guy uh he, i'm he's a talented engineer but uh, is the claiming that stacks is bitcoin uh to me is a is a very thin argument given how their consensus is set up and the fact that the, the, that their altcoin exists in the first place hmm. yeah which which by the way was issued by the stacks foundation which is which holds a large percentage of the pre-mine and etc cetera, etc cetera, right which so there were there was no immaculate conception the yeah. way there was for bitcoin i mean what what i will say is that seeing nostra in action is the most like kind of kinetic like this is actually kind of working um in a decentralized way uh in that you know back then a lot of this stuff was very theoretical and and this the, you know nostar it works and it is it has it's not on a blockchain um and maybe that's the thing is like it this shouldn't be on, like maybe social media like there's no reason for it to be um, on a blockchain, but it's like mm -hmm. intrinsically tied to Bitcoin. So, you know, this does seem to be, I you know, it, 
I now sound like I'm just like uh, sucking up to the the Noster crowd, but I I <laughs> just honestly believe that this is um, this is where the momentum is in terms of the kinds of decentralization that I'm interested in. Um, and I mean, I, I also like I keep an open mind to things like Mastodon and and Blue Sky, but um, I just so far like the kind of community at Nostra better. It's 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 more interesting to me. I, maybe that will change. Like maybe there's going to be some mass migration of all the people, all the normal people who are on Twitter to Blue Sky or uh, or Mastodon. But I don't really know why that would be. Like I don't actually think Elon Musk is going to like totally collapse twitter i think it's going to continue to exist in some form or another um maybe not like a great form but people will just stay on there um and so i think there's got to be a reason for people at this point to flock to the decentralized alternatives and i think that the reason people have flocked to Noster, i just have more in common with those people than mm -hmm. the people who are flocking to these other networks right now um but just i'm sorry to be to like be the journalist again and like turn it on you but could i ask you real quick like is there a world where like Noster and blue sky can somehow interact and integrate twitter, i think that is possible right twitter and Noster can both be clients i mean it's not like they can't be clients uh they can bridge too so it's something where they yeah. can absolutely coexist right uh, Okay. Yeah, it's, Twitter can be a Nostra client, and so can Blue Sky, right? Okay. So, but you have Nostra as the foundation, the protocol as the foundation, and then these different applications acting as clients. But Blue Sky, that, that so Blue Sky could exists. be a client. Blue, Blue Sky could be a Nostra client. Um, yeah. Right, right now, it's tied to this AT protocol, but um, it could just accept more protocols. You could build a bridge between Blue Sky and Nostra. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I'm I'm interested to see where where it all goes. Maybe like maybe the Fediverse will like be a real thing, and all these things will uh, connect one day. <laughs> well, Zach, that is a good note to end the recorded portions uh, of the show. So appreciate you joining. Hey, thanks for Can having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah.